And now, The Fine Print with attorney Jen Rout. Welcome to The Fine Print with Attorney Jen Rout. I am Attorney Jen Rout, and with me as always is my marvelous sidekick, Ben Needenthal. I will accept that. Thank you. Hi, everybody. How's it going? You know, good times today. How about you? Oh, every Wednesday is a joy. So, (laughs) yes. We like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, So, what's going on? What are we talking about? Well, you know, last time we talked about what is probate and mm-hmm. basically what happens after someone dies. Okay. So today I thought it'd be helpful to say, hey, how do you avoid probate? What are the various ways to do that? We covered that last week. You don't die. Right. And, don't yeah. die. Yeah. So that's uh, number un- one. Unfortunately. Um, if you blow that, then well, <laughs> what are the other options, I guess? And I've, I've never known anyone in history to avoid that permanently. Well, you're talking to one right now. So uh-huh. someday. <laughs> so um, realistically, there's four ways to avoid probate. Okay. Um, so, and a lot of them your average person can do, especially okay. if you have something simple and straightforward. So let's use an example of Bob and Millie have been married for 50 years. Okay. They have two kids. Little Bob and little Millie. Yep. Yep. And everything's going to go evenly to the two kids. Okay. Okay. Kids are adults, so we have no worries about guardianships and protecting the assets for the kids. They're adults. It's all fine. Okay. It's very simple estate. You don't necessarily need anything complicated. Mm Mm-hmm. Instead, what you do is you use the three basic um, transfer techniques that transfer things outside of probate. Okay. And those are payable on death designations. All right. Beneficiary designations and a transfer on death affidavit. Okay. So first up, uh, we have payable on death designations. So those are used with most of your financial accounts. So you have a bank account at Huntington Bank, and it's a joint account, so that means it's joint in survivorship. Okay. Which means after the first of you to kick the bucket, the other one keeps the account, no problem. And then you want to put on a payable on death designation, and that's a form that your bank will have, and you go there and fill out, upon my death, whatever money is in this account, and you do it for each of your accounts, goes evenly to... The two kids, so little Bob and little Millie. <laughs> Bobby and Millie, I guess. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so we, it automatically transfers. Now, here's the benefit of that. It's not part of the probate estate because upon that death, it automatically becomes the designation or designee's asset. Okay. Which means it's going to be really hard for a creditor of the decedent to come after that money. Gotcha. Because only what's in the probate estate is collectible okay. to creditors. Okay. Okay. So if it automatically transfers, yeah. No big deal. Next option is beneficiaries. Okay. So this is what you would use for your investment accounts, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, life insurance, all of that. Okay. You always want to make sure you have a beneficiary. 
because why send something through probate that you don't have to? Yeah. Um, here's the caveat to that. If you have minor children, hmm. we probably don't want to leave it directly to minor children. <laughs> Just saying. Seven-year-olds are not good recipients of such things. No. Um, My kid Jack would be great. He'd be awesome with it. Yeah, yeah. he's almost Almost two. two. He's almost two. Right. He's a phenom, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) As you hold up two fingers. (laughs) Um, So when you have minor children, you want to be careful about using these because it may be better to have everything throw through flow through probate, Mm. and in your will, you have a provision that says, if my children have not yet reached the age of, let's say, 22, 25, Mm. then that money will be held in trust for their benefit until such age. Makes sense. Why? Because I don't know about you, but at 20 years old, if you just lost both parents, you are probably not making the best decisions of your life. Even if you don't, even if you still have your parents, you're probably still not making the best decisions of your life at that age. Right. So, you know, we don't want to hand, yeah, twenty year olds the inheritance of their parents, especially if it's something large. Yeah. Um, I had one client who uh, she is she has passed, so I, I represent the estate. And she bought a Susie Orman trust. I think I mentioned this last time. But she didn't put anything in the trust. And Mm. so she has two 20-year-old twin children. So her whole point was to kind of set them up for life and have somebody else manage the money for their benefit until they reached 25 or 30. I forget which one. Yeah. Um, But she named them as direct beneficiaries. She named her sister as another direct beneficiary With the intention that sister would pay money for the benefit of these two kids. Gotcha. And now sister doesn't want to pay that money to the two kids. Oh, boy. Or use it for their benefit. She wants it for herself? Uh Uh-huh. Because she was the direct beneficiary. She is under no obligation. Oh, boy. To pay for those kids. Even though, I mean, they're adults. I get they're adults. But in today's world... 20-year-olds, still kids. Yeah. So, sister not paying and doing what mom wanted. Hmm. That That's a problem. Yeah. So, when you're naming... How do you fight that? I mean, what do you do? You don't really have much of a legal ground to stand on Ugh. because upon death, that money, that those proceeds of that life insurance policy became hers. Today's takeaway lesson, kids, is don't trust anybody, including family. <laughs> Not that, but if you <laughs> want to have control yeah. after death, the only way to do that is a trust. Okay. If you don't care, again, so Bob and Millie, they're in their 80s. They have children in their 40s or 50s. Yeah. And we're good with them having direct control of the assets. Mm -hmm. That's when you use this payable on death designation, the payable um, death benefit beneficiaries. Yeah. Use that, those designations at that time. But if you have a minor child, we don't want to leave money to the minor child. And if you have any concerns whatsoever that your sibling or whomever will not use that money the way you intend it to be used for the support of your children. Yeah. 
don't leave it directly to them either. That's where we want it to pass to probate and then we want it to go into trust for those children's benefit. Yeah. So that's just your cautionary tale there because as soon as it's transferred, no longer do you have any control. Gotcha. Next up is with real estate, you can do what's called a transfer on death designation. This is in Ohio only. Well, other states have things um, very similar, but for Ohio, we call it a transfer on death designation. And it is an affidavit that you record with the recorder's office that says, upon my death, or if you are married and the deed is joint and survivor, upon the last of our deaths, our property transfers to whoever it transfer. It could be a friend. It could be children. Um, and you can tell in what um, what uh, percentages they get yeah. divided in. So you have three kids, one-third, one-third, one-third. Hmm. Um, two kids, 50-50. Or maybe, for whatever reason, you're trying to cut out one child. Yeah. That's okay. This all transfers outside of probate. So that's another way of doing it. Now, here's the thing with transfer on death designations. It does not really release the property from any mortgages. Okay. So what it really does is allows for the quick sale of the property if there's a mortgage attached. Okay. Um, so what happens is you record the, it's actually then a transfer on death affidavit with an original death certificate and that transfers the properties to the children or whomever you have named. So the designees at that point, and then they own the property, but they are not obligated on the mortgage. So they don't have to pay the mortgage. However, mortgage still attached to the property. So they need to list the property for sale. Or pay off the mortgage. Those are kind of your options. Right. Depending on the house, depending on their financial circumstances, they can do a number of things. But this way, any proceeds of that sale after paying off the mortgage can be evenly divided between your designees. You don't have to wait for probate. There's no probate approval order. Um, It's just very straightforward. You just have to eventually clear up the cloud on title. Gotcha. Okay. So that's the whole point of that. Um, and that's, again, nice when you have one, two, maybe even three designees. So three children. Yeah. Um, but you really don't want to use it if you have, like, nine children. Okay. The yeah. more people, the harder it is. Okay. And I would tell you, don't do it. Yeah. Or if your children fight like cats and dogs. Hmm. And you know that, and they hate each other, and they don't trust each other. Well, how are they going to work together to sell sure. a house or manage a house? Um, not if a it good were idea. Hollywood, they would come together because of the loss of their parents. Yeah, that Cause... never happens. Um, <laughs> that depends on who you ask. <laughs> it rarely happens. Yeah. Um, I have another one where dad did the transfer on death designation house went to two sisters the one sister had been living with dad taking care of him for life or during the last few years of his life Mm. well then the other sister said well my kids are moving into the house so move her kids into the house with sister and you can imagine 
the fight that ensued. Yeah. So wait, wait, so just her kids moved into the house? Uh-huh. She she was going to rent her half of the house to her two adult children and their three ch- children. So oh, good lord. Grandchildren. So obviously this creates some bad feelings yeah. and fighting. So when you're thinking about these things, you have to think about the real world implications of is this going to work? Yeah. And are my kids going to play nice together? Yeah. Same time, you also, uh, you know, I have a lot of people say, well, I'm just going to transfer it to my one daughter and she can sell it and then she'll divide up the proceeds to the four kids evenly because that's what I want and I know she'll do that. Yeah. Here's the thing. (laughs) Just because that's what you want and those were your directives, she does not have to. Once that property is in her name, it is yeah. her property. So if she wants to, she can say, hey, this is all mine. Screw you, kids. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. you want to be very careful about that. Wow. Now, if you want to avoid probate and you need some control hmm. after your death. Okay. I mean, obviously you're gone. So you're trying to control beyond the grave is what we call it. <laughs> Which, you know... Ghost control. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and there are lots of reasons to do this. Uh, the first one being you have minor children. And you want to make sure that certain things are provided for them. Okay. And you you know you have life insurance proceeds and whatever assets. And all of that can be gathered up and either put immediately into a trust Mm -hmm. that you have created. So you have a revocable living trust and you just put all your assets in there and everything pours into that bucket after your death. Okay. Or you have what we call testamentary trust, which we put inside a will that only comes into fruition. If certain factors are met, like your children are under the age of 25. Yeah. Okay, then we create this trust. It's a very simple trust. It's for their health, education, welfare, and sport, um, those kind of things, with full discretion by the trustee. The full discretion part's important for a whole list of reasons um, that get into real legal technicalities, so we're not going to go into that. But yeah. um, And then you name somebody as the trustee. Now, the benefit of the trustee is, unlike just trusting that your daughter, Sally, We'll sell the property and then divide up the proceeds evenly between her and her three siblings. The trustee owes a fiduciary duty to take care of the money in a way that a reasonably prudent person would under the same circumstances to support your children. Okay. So they can't say, I'm going to buy a house for me Mm. because then they are now liable. And you can, there's now a legal action that can be taken to enforce what you said needed to happen in your trust. Huh. So that is where you can control beyond the grave. Okay. I have other clients who are, you know, in their 60s who have a trust because their children who are in their 40s still can't handle money. <laughs> I know a few of those. Yes. <laughs> and they're living off of mom and dad. They live in the various... Houses that mom and dad own and, you know, one has a bit of a drug problem and kind of goes in and out. So you, you know, can't leave her a bunch of money all at once because she will go off the deep end. And yeah, so we have some concerns. Right. 
and we are definitely concerned about retirement for them because they're, we know they're not doing planning. Yeah. Okay, so we want that trust to continue on Yeah. for a long time after mom and dad are gone. Yeah. Because we want to make sure that the kids, who are adults, are still cared for. Hmm. That they have support, but someone else needs to be controlling the purse strings. Yeah. Because we know about their negative behaviors. Yeah. And parents know. Parents know the strengths and weaknesses of their children. Yeah. They may not tell people for the most part, but you know. Right. And there's reasons to do that planning. Right. So that's another reason um, to do a trust. Yeah. Say we used to only really do trust to help with tax planning. Yeah. But today we don't really have to do that um, because in Ohio, we got rid of the estate tax in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And the federal estate tax level, which used to bounce all around, yeah. $1 million, $3 million, $5 million, 100000 bounced all over the place. We never knew where it was going to end up. Okay. Has now been locked in by Congress. Okay. So this year it's $5.45 million per person. So a married couple, that's ten point nine yeah. million essentially. Wow. Um, before you have a federal estate tax issue. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So you know, I don't know about you. I don't know a lot of people that that uh, really concerns. Well, I mean, I've got my vast sums of wealth that I'm, <laughs> you know, living comfortably <laughs> off of these days. Right. Yeah. And with the cost of education, I don't see many of us getting to that level very quickly. No, no, no. By the way, we're looking for sponsors for our show. <laughs> uh, if you're interested, I will, I'll literally, I'll talk anybody up. So, anyway. uh-huh. <laughs> but the whole point is you're, you're not worried so much about the tax planning today. Right. So today we're concerned about the real life considerations. How is this going to play out? How is the money going to support the minor children or the young adult children who really shouldn't necessarily have a bunch of money. Right. Now, the nice thing is, let's just say there's lots of money in the trust and we've now paid for education and trust isn't supposed to pay out until age 30, like whatever the balance is for said child. But at 24, the child is doing well, has a job, Hasn't saved up enough for a down payment, but would like to put a down payment on a house. Yeah. In trust, you can set it up where the trustee has discretion. So the trustee can say, yes, because I think mom and dad would have helped you with that. So we take a draw on your trust and we hand you the money that you need for a down payment on the house. Because you have proven to be a responsible adult and we want to help you out. Okay. Same thing, that trust can pay for education. Yeah. Now, or a new car, or whatever. But with the discretion, that's giving control to someone you have tr- you trust to make sure that, sure, we can get you a car, 17-year-old son, look at you, so cute. <laughs> yes, we'll get you a car. We are not going to get you the brand new Ferrari. It's going to be a 1986 Chevy Astro. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, that's old and busted now, but (laughs) something reliable, but... I'm not buying my kid a reliable car. He's going to have one that I I know can't go past like 200 miles. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, something that's safe. Yeah. 
you know, taking care of the kids, but we're not going to get 16-year-old brand new car. No. Let's not do that. No. Bad idea. Trustees, discretion. Yeah. Same thing. Trustee, I want to, uh, my major is international marketing. I want to go do a semester in Switzerland with an internship with Mettler Toledo. Okay. Based in Toledo, Columbus, and Switzerland. <laughs> Hence, I know that one. Um, <laughs> great. That sounds like a good you plan. You could not have two different, more different places than Toledo, Ohio, and Switzerland. Uh-huh. Switzerland, beautiful, soaring mountains <laughs> and natural beauty, and Toledo, the stink hole of, Colum- of Ohio. It's terrible. Oh, poor Toledo. Toledo. I don't like Toledo. There's some good things If you're listening and you're from Toledo, I'm sorry. There's that you live things. in Toledo. Oh, jeez. <laughs> There's some good things in Toledo. But more than that, um, that makes sense. A trustee can say, you know what? That is furthering your career. That's educational. Yes, it's going to cost extra money, but I'm willing to write that check. No problem. Yeah. Versus, hey, trustee, I'm going to go become a surfer dude for a year and then go to school. Will you pay for my living expenses? Depending on what the trustee knows, maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. If mom and dad would not have, trustee can say no. Yeah. The other nice thing is with a trustee, creditors cannot get at those funds. You do what's Ah. called a spendthrift provision. So the beneficiary of the trust, so your children, can't be like, hey, loan shark. Guess what? I have a trust. It'll pay. It'll pay you. Don't worry about yeah. it. Hmm. Trustee can say, uh, no. Yeah. So there's limitations. So it creates some protections there. Gotcha. Um, and that's all very helpful for your planning. Gotcha. Um, other things, you know, you can set other limitations, other distributions. It's basically you controlling how you want things to go. Yeah. Same thing, you could set aside money for someone's wedding. Yeah. And you still leave in discretion. So if something major happens, obviously the wedding fund could be tapped. Yeah. For, you know, major medical expenses. Right, right. Those kind of things. But it's a way to have control. Yeah. And you can do all of that outside of probate, hmm. which is a really nice way to do it. Yeah. And takes care of everything. What you should not do. So I get a lot of clients who say, well, I'm going to put my son on my checking account. That's a bad idea. That makes it a joint account. Yes. So that means even though you trust your son and that's fine, if your son goes through a divorce, if your son is getting sued, Hmm. if anything happens where his assets come under review... Like a bankruptcy. Yeah. Your asset is now his asset. Hmm. Yeah. I say that's that's a limitation. I don't want that to happen. So what you do instead is a financial power of attorney where your son can act for you for banking and they could be listed on your account as the power of attorney. Yeah. But as a power of attorney, he owes you a fiduciary duty. Mm-hmm. So it's not his asset asset anymore right um i have had 
three cases where, you know, it was a big fight. It cost a lot in legal fees to prove to a bankruptcy trustee or um, one, a major creditor, that that joint account with mm-hmm. mother and son, not son's asset. Yeah. He'd never put anything into it. It was pure. He was purely put on for convenience. Right. Not the best situation. Right. Um, much better to act through a financial power of attorney. Yeah. And especially, again, going back to um, if you have multiple children, sure, you have one kid who handles everything. And you have $50,000 in an account. So you make them a joint account owner and... Just say, okay, if I, when I die, just divide up everything between four people, yeah. b- between the four kids. Problem is, again, as soon as you die, that becomes their asset upon your death. Gotcha. They are under no obligation to ar- honor your wishes hmm. because those are just your wishes and that's not a directive. Yeah. And it's their asset officially. Wow. Hmm. So you got to be careful about that. Yeah. And know where you're going with that. Right. Um, other considerations, you know, you really want to sit down with an attorney and frankly, sometimes your financial planner or accountant, because all of these things can have tax implications. Yeah. So I really think those three people should work together. Um, I mean, for a simple estate plan, just go see the attorney. Mm -hmm. It should not cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Let's be clear. Not thousands and thousands. Right. Um, for your simple estate plan, yeah, which can be a will, you know, transfer on death designation, power of, of attorney, call it a day. Yeah. Um, but you really want to look, especially the more assets you have, that's when we start looking at gifting and tax savings. And if your financial planner has one plan and your accountant has another for some tax savings for you, and then you tell the attorney a third thing any one of those three people could mm-hmm. wreck shop financially. Yeah. So you really want to work together as a team Yeah. to make sure the attorney is drafting in a way that accomplishes the financial planner's goals. Okay. While also accomplishing the tax savings goals of the accountant. Okay. Um, because any one of those three could mess up a strategy if you don't know what's all going on. So a lot of people I hear, well, I don't like a lot of people knowing my business, so I kind of keep things isolated. Yeah. And I get that. But those three people should be pretty trusted individuals. (laughs) Yeah. You don't need to talk to them regularly. Right. But you need to be able to go to them and make sure everything is working together. Yeah. If not, you end up with a Susie Orman trust that hasn't been funded, that still has to go through probate, and none of your wishes are accomplished. Hmm. And your sister ends up with money that she is now not using to support your children, which is was the whole point of sending it to her in the beginning. Yeah. That's not what you want. Right. And that was a great way of, in theory, avoiding probate, but now everything's gone through probate anyway, so why, why did you spend however much money on the Susie Orman Trust? Right. That doesn't accomplish your purpose. Yeah. So it, it's a little bit of a investment up front but working with those professionals will save your estate on the back end will guarantee your wishes are followed Mm -hmm. because 
as we know how to build in those safety nets to make yeah. sure that happens. Gotcha. So yeah, the, that's my big spiel on the four ways to avoid probate. It's, you know, riveting. Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm sure it's very exciting, but it, it's especially it's important. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's important. And especially for trust, that's really building a foundation for your life and after your life. So that's a much bigger document. But I mean, to keep it simple, it's your payable on death designations, beneficiaries for all accounts that can have beneficiaries, transfer on death designations, and trusts. And My favorite part is where the creditors don't get your money. That's, that's I like that. Yes. That makes me happy. And don't worry, Capital One is insured. They This is part of their business model. They expect a certain loss. It's okay. <laughs> they'll, they'll survive. You're going to put them under. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I'm looking forward to your joke of the week. Uh, first, I think we have some housekeeping to do. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook. That's our primary landing page where you can comment, get news, or suggest topics for future episodes. If you are already following us, thank you. We love you. Uh, and you can also follow Boxland Media on Facebook as well. We do lots of things up to and including putting out the fine print with Attorney Jen Route every week. And if you're a Twitter user, I am at the Almighty Ben on Twitter. Jen is not on Twitter and probably will never will be. And that's just the way it is, folks. Yep. Sorry. Anyways, if you are new to the show, welcome. We hope you come back. And if you like the show, we would really appreciate it if you could take a few minutes out of your busy day. Head on over to iTunes and rate and review us. Really helps us out uh, with our visibility and making us seen on the world's largest podcast repository. And finally, we would like to thank all of our listeners. It is because of you that our podcast even exists. Uh, if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button. And remember, sharing is caring. If you know somebody who you think might be interested in, in this show, maybe just, you know, send them a link. Send them a link to uh, one of the episodes or, or burn a disc or however you want to do that. But, uh, you know, just the, the more the merrier. Uh, and Jen, would you like to hear this week's lawyer joke of the week? Absolutely. What's the difference between a vacuum cleaner and a lawyer on a motorcycle? <laughs> I don't know. The vacuum cleaner has the dirt bag on the inside. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's <ouch>. mean. <laughs> that's wow. That's way mean. I don't write them, but that's funny. <laughs> all We're right, not all folks. like that, folks. <laughs> well, hey, thank you for joining us, and uh, we will see you uh, next week, and... Uh, until then, I am Attorney Jen Routh saying, <laughs> ignorance of the law excuses no man from following it. <laughs> that was an excellent transition there. I, all right, perfect. <laughs> Thanks, folks. We'll see you next time. This program is meant to be informative in nature and does not constitute actual legal advice or form an attorney-client relationship in any way. Views and opinions stated in this program are solely the views and opinions of the speaker. Each situation is different. Always consult an attorney in your state to analyze your specific legal needs. This program may change your views of attorneys in general, as they are not what they seem on TV. I mean, seriously, could the main character in Suits actually exist in real life? Boxland Media. Think big.